Jesus, we welcome you to overwhelm us with the glory of your goodness and your truth and your mercy and your beauty and everything that you are that we are clueless about. We welcome you to be fully you. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to empower us to receive Jesus in all the ways he wants to express himself tonight. And most of all, Jesus, we want you to have a marvelous night where you are free and all your heart's desires are free. From Matthew. Matthew 26. And now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And he said, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Tonight, it's all about this. This cup and this bread. Within this cup and this bread lies everything from before the foundations of the earth to the eternity of eternities. Everything from Genesis to Revelation can be understood in that cup and in that bread. When we take communion, it is our earthly agreement with the worship that is heaven, of worthy is the Lamb. And in a mystery beyond our understanding, when we take this cup and we take this bread, we are in perfect oneness with the Savior, Redeemer, Messiah. And when all history is done, the only thing that will remain is what is related to this cup and to this bread. And if it's not connected to this cup and this bread, it shall not remain. But before the foundations of the earth, we're told the lamb was slain. And tonight, one of the things that Jesus wants to empower to all of us is a fuller understanding of the cup and the bread. Because it was no small thing when he said, I want you to do this. To understand the bread and the cup, we go all the way back to Genesis 1. And when he says, in our image be, 
and he speaks it over the man, and he speaks it over the woman. And you have heard me share this endlessly. It is the humility of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit stooping before that form and reaching in and taking part of their DNA out and putting it in the man and in the woman and saying, we will share our image with you. And offering them an invitation to authority to rule this earth with love and to subdue it and take dominion out of the image of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not out of the heart of humanity. It was an unbelievable invitation, and the invitation still stands because what God speaks lasts forever. But you know the story. Adam and Eve sinned. And then God comes down. And in chapter 3, God himself, the Father Most High himself, plants his feet in the earth, picks up an animal that he loves and cherishes, the making of his own voice and his own son, who is the word over creation. And he kills the animal to shed the blood. And he makes the garments. For he is tapping into before the foundation the lamb was slain. And so the blood washed away the sins of Adam and Eve. He puts garments on them, prophetic garments of salvation. And then the Garden of Eden is closed. But he plants his presence upon Adam and Eve. And scripture tells us he left the garden too. For he was saying, for all time, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He looked and he looked for someone who could come into oneness with him. And Abraham comes in a world full of idols. And very few are believing there is one God. But he comes to Abraham while he's still worshiping idols. And somehow Abram's heart opens up to him. Because he's Abram at that point. And they begin to dialogue. And Abram begins to trust the voice of God and believe the voice of God. And he starts following the voice, even though he's not ever known anyone who's done it. He doesn't have a mentor. He's just following out of his heart, thinking, I think this is God. And so the Lord visits him and talks to him, and their relationship grows. And then by the time you get to Genesis 15, God invites him to come and to change the relationship. They have been friends. But in Genesis 15, it is the father who is offering to take the relationship deeper. And so he puts into Abram's heart to get this animal, get this animal, get this animal. And put half of the animal on one side and half on the other. And there is a stream of blood flowing. 
And then he puts Abraham to sleep, a deep sleep, Scripture says. And Hebrews 6 then explains to us what happened. The Father himself places his feet in the earth again. And so does the Son. For there is a smoking fire pot and a torch. And a fire pot was the source of all fire. And a torch was only lit when it was coming out of the fire pot. And so the only way in this dream and deep sleep that Abraham could explain what he was seeing is there was a source of fire and then something that wasn't on fire went in and came out a torch. And Hebrews 6 said, God made covenant with himself because there was no man that could keep the covenant. And so he's making this covenant, and it's prophetic of him and Jesus as the son of man. And again, his feet are in the earth. His blood is flowing, and he steps in, and he then makes covenant with Abram. And now the relationship is totally different. For God reaches inside of himself. His name is Yah, Jehovah, Yahweh. And he takes a part of his name and adds it to Abram to be Abraham. But with that, it was more. It was like we share a covenant. We share the name. And now whoever blesses you, I will bless. And whoever curses you, I will take care of it. I will be with you. I will give you the land. And if we walk through Genesis, we see from the fruit of that covenant that Abraham is not just healthy, but now he carries a healing anointing to pray for someone who's sick, and he's healed. Abraham becomes wealthy. He has a miracle child, and he walks so much by faith and utter dependence upon the voice. He takes Isaac to the top of the mountain, and it is so stunning so stunning in the portals of heaven that the Holy Spirit tells Paul in Galatians 3, yes, you are part of the new covenant, but Abraham is the father of faith. And you are still the children of Abraham. To let us know this is a continual story. You know the stories throughout the Old Testament. But we're talking about covenant, the bread and the cup, and we're talking about God putting his feet in the earth and by the blood making a covenant and a relationship, saying, I'll never leave you. Then we have the Israelites who are in Egypt they're in bondage and they're in slavery. They're being oppressed by the spirit of Pharaoh, not just the man, but the spirit that is controlling and oppressive that floats through this earth even now. And God is looking and he finds Moses. And he says, Moses, I, I have heart respect for the suffering of my people. And you know the story. They go through the plagues and then... The final word is, take a lamb, consume it, 
Make sure there's nothing of this lamb left over. Roast it. Consume it. Don't have any crumbs. Consume it. And you know they put the blood over the doorpost. The story in Exodus, and if you read Psalm 105, tells us that in one night, a people who had been in slavery for 430 years were all physically healed. Not even one was weary. He redeemed their health. He redeemed their wealth when they got silver and gold. He brought them out from under the oppression. Exodus 6, 6 and 7, God is saying, I brought you out. I saved you and delivered you. I redeemed you. And I have set you aside to be a treasure and a people and a nation unto me. And signs and wonders happened to an entire nation that have never happened since. And then they come to Mount Sinai. And now there are people who in heaven's eyes is covered in the blood. And God himself puts his feet in the earth again. And he doesn't come to give them the Ten Commandments. He gives them an entire kingdom culture for everything. In Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, came from the Father's heart. He talked about the blood offerings for sin, but also when just fellowship is broken, or this offering and this offering. And when you look at all the offerings of the blood, they cover every realm of your life and your relationship with him. But he did more than that. He was saying to them, let me tell you what my culture is. And if you're willing to come into my culture, will you be my bride? And he tells them what the temple is like in heaven and invites them to have one on the earth. He invites them into kingdom. He explains to them, this is the rules for marriage. This is what single people do. Oh, this is your hygiene. Wash your hands. Started in Leviticus, you know. He talks on and on again. And he says, now if somebody commits a crime, this is what you do. If they commit a crime unintentionally, this is what you do. Oh, and this is what the priests wear, and this is what you wear. And women, once a month, this is what you need to do. And men, this is what you need to do. He covers every detail of culture. And in third world countries, they still use the guidelines in Leviticus for how to diagnose leprosy. He lays out culture for everything. And he then says, now, you know the Passover feast? Keep it forever. Don't ever forget the blood of the lamb. And don't ever forget when I came down and rescued you. He redeemed everything. But there's one thing that he leads to us, and that is our will. And so the Israelites struggled with their will. In the midst of manna and quail and water from the rock and a 
fire by day, at night, and a cloud by day. And so they couldn't receive all the love he had for them. They were wounded, and their will was up and down. But for any who believe, like Joshua and Caleb, the covenant stood. It stood so much. Scriptures were fulfilled of your youth being renewed and enemies falling at your feet. We could follow the blood path. We could follow the path of the cup and the bread all through the Old Testament. When Elijah is facing 400 Baal prophets and he's not afraid, he makes sacrifice, the blood flows, and once again, the Father comes down from heaven and puts his imprint of fire to say, this is the son of my covenant. And when David stands before Goliath, David nails it. He says, you uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, you don't have a covenant God. So this is not a battle. And when he becomes king, all David wants is to bring the presence of the Lord into Jerusalem and have it honored. And you know the story, the first time a man dies touching the cart. And for three months, David seeks the Lord. What do I do? What do I do? And then we're told what David does. He gathers herds and herds and herds of animals. And if you've ever been in Israel today, it's called Abu Ghosh. But he started there, and it was no short, short trip. Scripture says he walked six steps, and then he stopped and made sacrifice. Six steps made sacrifice so that his strength, his steps were drenched in the blood, and the presence of God followed behind the bloodstream. There's Isaiah, who honored the covenant. And in chapter 6, he's caught up as a covenant son, and he sees the seraphim going, holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord. And he's like, what am I doing here? Then he realized he's graced in. And then Isaiah, at a covenant relationship, perhaps receives a series of the greatest revelations and visions ever in human history. For it's Isaiah who hears his name shall be Emmanuel. And then at chapter 9, he hears, well, the child will be born and the government will be upon his shoulders and it will continue to increase. And then he hears he's putting his feet in the earth again. And he's going to shed blood and he's going to be wounded and bruised. And the chastisement for our peace will be upon him. But then he says he's going to be numbered with the transgressors, but fear not. For the spirit of the Lord will anoint him and he will bring good news. This is the bread in the cup prophesied. The children of Israel were in Egypt 430 years. Between Malachi and Matthew, there's approximately 400 plus years, and they're basically silent years. 
except for a few spikes when a few believers who still remembered the blood covenant and still honored the blood covenant, such as the Maccabees, when a father and his five sons took on the entire Greek empire, won Jerusalem back on Hanukkah. Because it doesn't take much if you're a covenant child. You don't need a whole army. You just need to understand when the father puts his feet in the earth, when the son puts his feet in the earth and the blood flows, all heaven is with you. And you're not like everyone else. You're not. Unless you choose to be. The invitation is there to you to have a different mind and a heart and a paradigm and a sense of protection. Psalm 91 is non-existent without this cup and this bread. Psalm 91 is powerful because it's in the blood of the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. And in the midst, Leviticus 17.11 just covers Genesis to Revelation when it says the life of a creature is in the blood and the blood makes atonement for the whole of your life. So when Jesus and the disciples are born, even as little boys, they would have gone to the temple three times of a year to watch the sacrifice of the animals. They knew everything depended on the blood. Their own forgiveness depended upon the blood. They understood three times a year, every year. And the rest of the year was spent saving up money to buy the sacrifice for their family. Their lives centered around the blood. It's all they knew. It was their hope. And it was the sign of their covenant that they were a different people. And so when Jesus was a boy, he would have carried a lamb to Jerusalem with his family every year, knowing he would be the one someday. He who was the word before the beginning of the world knew that this was not Old Testament, New Testament, that this is one story of revealing the Father to the world and awakening the world to be his children again. And you don't need me to revisit the cross or the power of the resurrection. You know that. You may think, but Susan, when Jesus said in Matthew 26, this is the blood of my new covenant for the forgiveness of sins, I thought that was all it was. I know. But when you see it from Genesis to Revelation, you understand if you have lack of forgiveness in your heart for someone, even yourself, or even for Jesus, if you feel he's let you down. The covenant isn't as powerful. The covenant depends on the two people being in oneness. That's why 
Hebrews 6 said, when God came to make covenant with Abram, God had to make covenant with himself. Because Abram wasn't ready to be in oneness with him. And that's why when Jesus comes, he says, I'm the son of God, and I'm the son of man. In essence, I'm making covenant with myself. In a mystery that is beyond us. But Jesus knows when we have lack of forgiveness in our hearts, it just drains the faith and the love and the oneness. And so we, we have a hard time stepping in and receiving and believing that he loves us. And so sometimes we have seen the bread in the cup as a New Testament thing. And so we take it to remember him. But we're remembering a skinny version of him. Because you see, he was at the Passover. He could have lifted up and said, break this bread, drink this cup in memory of me any time of the year. He chose Passover. And traditionally, there are four cups. And one is the celebration of you brought me out. You brought me out of darkness, out of oppression. It's based upon the passage, Exodus 6, verse 6 and 7. You brought me out. You saved me. You redeemed me. You brought me out with a healed body and restored everything to me that was lost in my slavery. You brought me out. You saved me. You delivered me. You redeemed me. And then the last one was... You made me your people. A kingdom of priests. As Revelation says, who you are, kings and priests and a bride. And so when Jesus is at Passover and he says, now do this in remembrance of me, no wonder the disciples didn't understand until after the resurrection when it says he explained scripture to them. Because what he was saying is, when you celebrate Passover now, you remember me, not Egypt. That's over. Remember me. Paul understood it. When he said, Christ is our Passover lamb, Jesus was shifting everything. It's like if you've ever seen a river and then a big log or a tree falls across that river, it changes the direction of the flow of the river. And it actually, in one portion of the river, it speeds up the current and the river gets wider and deeper. You've changed it. And when he went to the cross and he said, when you do Passover... It's not about Egypt anymore. You remember me. It's like the cross fell in that river, and it changed it, and it broadened it so that the river of life was now not just for the Jewish people, but for anyone who would believe. And so if you could envision this 
river of blood that has been a river of life before the foundations of the earth, if you will, if you step into the river as a covenant believer, that you believe the promises of God are yours by the blood of the lamb. You are a child by the blood of the lamb. You have an inheritance by the blood of the lamb. Then you can step in the river and you can look down to the left and you can look all the way back and you'll see Abraham, you'll see Moses, you'll see Esther, you'll see David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you'll see them all standing in the skinny river back there. And then you'll see a log over that river, and you'll look and you'll see the rivers getting wider and wider, and you'll see Peter and Paul, and you'll start seeing the Gentiles and nations and nationalities, and you'll see yourself. And if you could look this way, you would see the generations who will come and that the river ends at the marriage feast of the Lamb. And that when you are in this river and everything is dependent upon the bread and the cup, the broken body and the blood of the Savior, you are in such deep covenant with him. You are not shaken. And then you understand a glimpse that just at Mount Sinai, as the father invited Israel to be his bride, and he showed them culture, kingdom culture, that now in Jesus we know kingdom culture, and we are citizens of heaven. And as Paul says, we're visiting here. And we're here to bring heaven to earth, but we're citizens of heaven. We are not subject to the things of this earth. Not because of us, but because of that cup and because of that bread, what all it means, what all it stands for, and that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit before the foundations of the earth said it. Sometimes we say we want to be like the early church. This was what they knew. They lived on the blood. They lived with the memories of hundreds of years when necessary, the father himself would put his feet on this earth and intervene miraculously for his children. They knew the supernatural, and yet the natural provision, and yet they knew the consequences when you turn your back on covenant. Because he's not going to force. Can you imagine the aha moments of the disciples when Jesus is opening up scripture to them? They're going, ah, you are there in the smoking fire pot and torch. You are there, you are there, you are there. I know that in many ways I have not said anything to you tonight you don't know. But there is a different depth of faith and reality and intimacy and confidence that comes when you see that that cup and that body 
was connected all the way back here. And if under the old covenant, they walked out healed. And if they walked in supernatural provision by the grace of God, and they walked in supernatural victory over every enemy and every idolatrous thing that tried to get in their head, then how much more so for us? For we stand in the wide place of the river, the deep place of the new covenant of the Christ who has come. So this is his cup and his bread. Will you take the bread, please? Blessed art thou, O Lord God, King of the universe, who gave us your body and your blood, that we may be your children forever, and the fullness of your covenant from heaven shall manifest in the earth. We receive by your body the healing of our bodies, our soul, our spirits, our relationships. We receive your river of life in us. Would you please remember the Christ and take his body? This is his cup. Before there was even an earth, he promised to bring this cup to you. The cup of his blood, the blood that is the sealant of the covenant. It washes us in every realm clean. It brings us a kingdom of God that is righteousness, peace, and joy. And wherever his blood flows, his presence is right behind it. Would you please honor the blood of Jesus? This is but a thimbleful of the ocean of the body and the blood. Dear ones, I will share very personally with you. I take communion often, but I don't mean in a quick, there it is. And there's no legalistic right or wrong way to do it. 
I've taken it over my nephew who has a health issue. I take it over John 17 partners calling forth the covenant to stretch over them. If I know I'm going into a meeting that is over my head and I need God's wisdom to know what to say to this pastor or that pastor, I take covenant because it reminds me that all I need is there. And if something tries to come against my body, I take communion. And I see myself stepping into that river of life that is promised to me by the blood covenant of Christ. And if you have concerns about a child, if you have concerns about a grandchild, then you see yourself, you visualize that river of the blood. And you take communion and you take that baby into that river with you. And you see his covenant going over that child. Sometime, when you're quiet and you're by yourself, let the Holy Spirit give you a holy picture. See yourself standing in the river of the blood. Look to your left. And see Adam and Eve and Abraham, Ruth and Boaz. See it. And then see where that tree falls and now the river's wider. And you see the disciples and you see Dorcas. And you may see your own great-grandparents, your own grandparents. You see, it's one stream of salvation. Step in and say, Oh, Holy Spirit, give me the power to receive all Jesus has for me. Whether it's healing, mind, heart, body, soul, whatever, whatever. Because it's by the grace of the covenant that we receive. At least we should boast. Let him speak to you. And the Lord said, Passover feast, celebrate it forever. And then Jesus said, yeah, Passover feast, remember me. I welcome you to stand.